In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in again to another episode of that internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Knowledge Vine. We thank all of you for listening. We are heard in over 134 countries. We appreciate that. That beautiful British voiceover comes on introducing the show, and then my Texas accent comes on, so it definitely gives the international flavor. And we're actually going to have a little more international flavor here today after I introduce my guest. But first of all, we want to thank our sponsor, Knowledge Vine. Knowledge Vine is the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. Knowledge Vine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. Knowledge Vine is the evolution of human performance and learn more at knowledgevine.com. So today I'm still here at the Connected Workers Conference and my guest today is Captain Daniel Alcantara. Did I say that right, Captain Dan? Yep, you oh, got it right. Okay, well, sometimes I butcher those names up with my Texas accent. You know, so. <laughs> now, when I say captain, you were a boat captain on oil tankers. Is that right? Yeah, it's actually not a boat captain. Uh-oh, uh-oh, see, I already screwed up there. <laughs> it's more so like a ship captain. Ship captain, okay. A lot of people, a lot of people, some kind of make that same mistake. Okay. They call a ship a boat. Okay, you're not supposed to do that, huh? Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Okay. Everybody who went out at sea, they call the ship a boat on the very first day. (laughs) And they get get corrected after that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you were the ship captain, primarily oil tankers, is that right? Yeah. In my entire career, I sailed on all oil tankers. And one container carrier, it was only one that I sailed with back in 1992. Okay, so I think we all know what oil tankers are. So the container carrier, how is that different? What was in the containers as opposed to oil in the tanks? It's different in many ways, right? Containers, basically what we see on the road, what we see on the trucks, they get loaded. Uh, they are like boxes. Okay, okay, okay. So they get loaded and pretty much have got a very fixed sailing route. You know, they go to the same ports. Uh uh You know, it's fixed. So I didn't quite like it to be on a container ship. Then that is why... Not not enough, it's too boring for you, huh? Yeah, it sounded something (laughs) like that, right? Then I got myself stuck on a tanker vessel, on a crude carrier. So... I sailed a lot on what they call the normal size crude carriers. They are known as the Aframax. And I sailed in a couple of product vessels as well. Product vessels means they carry things like gasoline, jet fuel, naphtha, you know, product that has been refined. But most of my time at sea or during my career, I basically sailed on crude carriers. That means cargo that, you know, which has not been refined right, at all. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. And you're taking it to a refinery. Yeah, that's um, correct. 
So I bet you've probably got some, you have any harrowing stories or anything? Uh, not really, but. Well, I guess that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> not really. Yeah. Okay. Since this is an HSE podcast, and we're going to get to the reason why I had you on the, even though I'm fascinated by this ship captain gig that was a part of your life for 20 years. When you're carrying, you mentioned gasoline, for example. I mean, that's highly flammable stuff. You feel safe when you're transporting yeah. that stuff? Yeah, because when we have the cargo on board, right, we introduce a certain gas in the cargo tank known as inert gas. All right? When you introduce that gas, it reduces the oxygen level to something like below 8%. So once the free space inside the cargo tank has got less than 8% of oxygen, it doesn't support the fryer triangle. Okay, all right. So basically, Interesting. yeah. So you can't start a fire or an explosion can't quite take place during okay. whenever we have cargo on board. All right. So, Captain Dan, you were one of the keynote speakers here yesterday at this Connected Workers Conference. So, apparently, after 20 years of being a ship captain, you made a complete turnaround in your career path because, and I didn't write them all down, but in your introduction yesterday, you've turned around and you're completely in the safety field now, right? And you've got all kinds of credentials and certifications and all that sort of thing. In fact, today, you're the chief solution delivery officer for a company called Magellan X, and we're going to talk about Magellan X and what they do here in a minute. But tell us about this going from sea to safety. <laughs> all right. Basically, I was like being requested by the same company to come back to work for them in the office, right? Or rather, I was somewhat chosen by them the shipping company that I worked for, to come back into the office to join the HHSE team. When I came back to the office to join the HHSE team, I was like very excited. Okay. Simply because I could be with my family, right? When I was at sea, I used to be on a contract something like three months on. That means I spent three months at sea and I go on three months leave. So it's fully paid both ways. Right, right. So, I mean, it sounds good when you kind of like work only six months in the year. However, but being ashore, working ashore, coming back into the office made me feel more normal that I could be with my family like every day. So I got quite excited coming back to the office. And I like got back to the office and became a marine superintendent or a safety superintendent for that particular company. In my couple of years, I got myself promoted. I also took care a little bit about piracy. Oh, really? Yeah. So during that period of time, I was in the position known as the company security officer, right? So that was during the, I would say, quite a high peak period for piracy at that moment. And I needed to, like, how you say, guide the vessels to actually get from one port to another port, which has got pirate-infested waters. So how do you do that guiding? We supply the vessels with arm guards. Okay. Right? We employ arm guards. 
which is approved by the authorities and put them on board the vessel and provide them with all the safety and security protocols. How are they going to react whenever there is a piracy attack? Those kind of things, those kind of information literatures that I have to provide to the vessels, speak to the captain of the vessel, and those are the kind of guidance that I provide. And of course, also look into the route that they are about to sail. You know, based on past information about piracy attacks, whichever the locations where it's prone to attacks, those are the routes that. I would like to avoid. Avoid, yeah, yeah. So maybe you change the route and that sort of thing. Okay. So Captain Dan, you obviously don't have the same Texas accent I have. So where are you from? I am basically a Malaysian. Okay. I'm from Malaysia. Okay. But for the past, I would say, a good twenty years, I've been out of the country, and most of my time, I live in Singapore. Singapore. I'm a permanent resident in Singapore. Okay. So now, actually, and as I said, we're gonna. Talk about Magellan. That's actually where Magellan is, is in Singapore, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's a company, how you say, we did our proof of concept uh-huh. in Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. I was in Los Angeles for about one and a half year, just staying Manhattan Beach off the Chevron Segundo refinery. Okay, I was just going to ask because this is an oil and gas podcast and we're going to talk about you know, oil and gas, and I thought Los Angeles, what does that have to do with oil and gas? You were working with Chevron as you did your proof of concept. No, not really. Not Chevron. When we did our port of, I mean, we did our proof of concept, we were actually being backed by an American company known by Boston Consulting Group, oh, BCG, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. right? Yeah, sure. Their digital venture arm okay. was actually behind this proof of concept. So once we have proven that the solution actually works, then we shifted the company or we set up the company in Singapore. Okay. Because we found, I mean, we realized that it's much more strategic to be in Singapore in between Europe and America. Okay, I got you. Yeah. All right. We just stayed in between. Okay, so we're going to get to this concept that Magellan has. But to kind of segue into that, I listened to your keynote address yesterday, and it was actually, well, in fact, it was called Leveraging IIoT for Worker Health and Safety. That's where we're going to get into Magellan's proof of concept here. But one of the first things you started out with that that really surprised me, you showed a PowerPoint slide which indicated that safety, I think that was, I don't remember if it was for all industries or if it was for just oil and gas, you'll have to correct me on that, but safety had plateaued in the last 10 years. And even with the data that you had, in 2021, SIFs actually increased. Now, was this all industries or this just oil and gas industry? I would say that the same trend, you will be able to see the same trend in all industry types. That's interesting because I would have thought just the opposite. So I would think we're getting better and better all the time with safety. So that kind of fascinates me. you have any ideas on that? Yep. I would say that there was a big improvement back, I would say, starting from 13, 15 years ago, there was a big improvement in safety, right? Because 13 to 15 years ago, a new system was being introduced 
or being enforced. It's known as the ISO. Okay, now what is that? International Standard Organization. Oh, okay, all right, 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 right. So when that was being introduced, we saw a big improvement in safety because people have started to get serious in safety, right? And there were many other, I would say, regulations that was being imposed during that era. However, I mean, if we backtrack 10 years before 2023 or before 2022 or 2021, if yeah, I may, that's what we're right? looking at. Yeah, you'll tend to realize that I would say all industry, all countries, you'll find a quite a standard trend line which shows that safety results have actually plateaued. You can actually check the results with, you know, I would say even the oil majors in oil and gas. Most of their safety results have plateaued. It would go up a little bit. You apply some intervention, it will improve the next year. And two years later, it'll be back up again. So on an average, you will find that safety results have plateaued. Okay, so do you have any ideas about how we kind of get off of this roller coaster ride? I think, number one, we have to look into the methodology that we have been following or we have been using in the past. And what are the improvements that we can do on those methodologies? I don't mean to reinvent the wheel now, right? We should not be reinventing the wheel. The methodologies are already there, out there in the industry, and a lot of people are actually practicing it. A lot of organization is actually practicing it. But how can you accelerate the methodologies, right? How can you see a much more fast improvement to those safety results is that you got to use technology. Okay, and this is where Magellan comes in, right? Yeah, that's when Magellan comes in. All right, right? well, let's talk about that. Okay, so when we talk about the, what is our forte, right? Our forte is actually to uncover insights, uncover underlying causes and preconditions. What are these underlying causes and preconditions is that this is something that is not easily visible today. And that is why one of the reasons why accidents continue to reoccur. Accidents continue to reoccur is it's going to be short, simple and sharp for me, in fact. They continue to reoccur is because the corrective and preventive actions are incorrect. We are not addressing the right problem. That is why it continues to reoccur over a time period. Whenever there is an accident, whenever there is an injury, what's directly visible to us is the direct causes, the immediate causes. That's easy to find out in an investigation. Sure, sure. Right? When someone fell down and what you, someone fell down and it was a fatality, what was the cause? of him falling down, if you go to the investigation side, you will be able to find out that maybe he tripped on a pipe and he landed on something sharp that, you know, injured his head or his neck. As I have mentioned earlier, we already know the why. We need to, like, accelerate the safety results sooner rather than later, right? We already know the why that we want to do this, okay? 
the existing methodologies, the traditional methodologies have already brought safety results to a plateau. It's simply because that what's needed to be done or the maximum effort that is supposed to be executed, it's already there. That's why we see that the safety results have plateaued. There is an opportunity to make a paradigm shift to use digital technologies to bring the safety results to a better level or accelerate the safety results by using IoT technology and its software, mainly to harvest data along anomalies in the safety space, right? Or in short, we call them near misses. So if we look at the Heinrich Triangle, the more the near misses will actually bring the chances of an accident closer, right? We also know that an accident or an incident is actually the outcome of how processes and the workplace is being organized for the workers, right? It is an outcome. Accidents and incidents are actually an outcome of it, right? Of human reliability. So where Magellan X comes into play now is that we have a watch to mainly measure the work environment and the exposure our workers are being put in place or being put to work, as well as the control of work module, which measures the efficacy of the processes that we get our workers to work with. Because till this very day, we are still unsure whether the processes are actually working out there. It's because it is very manual, it's very paper-based. There is no data that you can harvest out of a piece of paper, right? So this brings us to a digital framework, right? Now we can actually deploy a digital framework where there is a time frame. Now you can apply whenever you see these anomalies, right? You can apply a corrective and preventive measure. Take a step back, have a look at it three months later and see whether the action that being deployed is actually working or otherwise, because the data will improve or the data will not improve. So that allows us to have a better grip on the corrective and the preventive actions, whether are they effective or not, right? Because as I mentioned earlier, why accidents continue to reoccur is because it's very simple the corrective and preventive action is ineffective, right? It cannot be measured. There is no time frame for you to go back to actually see when you actually applied it and what does the result show you three months later or six months later. So that is an opportunity for us to actually correct whatever that we are trying to correct. Does that make sense? Okay, now let's back up here just a minute so that the audience understands. So you mentioned the word watch. So you're collecting this data. The workers are wearing a watch, kind of like a Fitbit. Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah. That's how you're collecting this data? Yeah, correct. So this watch is, is fit for purpose. It was built by us from scratch. It has got an ATEX Zone 1 currently. We are working on IECEX notation as well as the OSHA UL notation for it to be accepted in a hazardous space. 
However, for ATEC Zone 1, it can be used already in a hazardous space over in Europe, right? So the watch collects mainly the workers' exposure data, things like heat exposure, noise exposure, right? High heart exertion of the worker because when you put a worker to do, how you say, a physically intense task, those high heart rate will appear, all right? And then you have step counts and work and rest hours. We want to know how many hours that the workers are working, okay? And on top of that, we also have virtual geofence, right? You can set up a geofence, think something very simple. You just have to, let's say, if there is a chemical spill in your facility, you just key in or you just set up a geofence. And whenever my Solex watches come close to this area, the worker gets the contacts on the watch as a notification, as a warning to let them know that there is a chemical spill. So what does that point towards? It's also very simple. It's also something that the industry have already been talking about for a very long time. We call that situational awareness, right? Situational awareness. It's just that it's like I said, we don't intend to reinvent the wheel. We are just trying to accelerate whatever the safety space or the hazardous or the oil and gas industry have already got in place currently. So have you implemented some of these? Have you had test programs or are these established? Tell us about that. Yeah, we have already, how do you say that? We are actually four and a half years or coming into five years into doing whatever that we are doing, right? So we have been speaking to a lot of oil majors, especially during our Connected Workers Summit. We were there in Houston, right? We actually showcased the watch, okay? And we did really get a lot of traction. People like BP, people like Shell, ExxonMobil, right? Chevron, Chevron Philips, Philips 66, right? Dow Chemicals. They were pretty much quite excited, right, with the watch. And for the people that we are working with, we are working with one of the shipping companies back in Asia, right? They are under the Petronas Group, right? One of the oil majors as well. And also Shell, right? Shell, we have the solution being tested on one of their vessels right now. It's a LNG carrier. They want to test that solution for a year. We are also talking to one of the Shell's gasoline distribution hub where they want to try out the solution as well. Tech talks are, in the, are underway. But we find that there is a lot of traction over there in US Gulf where they want to bring the conversation further, how they can actually pilot the solution in their facilities over there in US Gulf. Okay, so you guys are over in Singapore. If people want more information to kind of see this and understand it and show some examples of, because I know in your speech at the Connected Worker Conference, you were actually able to, you know, show on some PowerPoint slides, some examples of this data that you collect and how it works. Can they just go to your website to get that information? Yep. Some of the information are there on the websites. We also have presence in the Middle East. We have presence in Europe, right? We have presence in Turkey, and obviously in US as well, right? So I can get my chief marketing officer to pass you those contacts, right? So that if in case you come across anybody who is interested, 
maybe you can share those information with the rest of the folks. We will be releasing the current release of all the features in our watch. We have just completed the video. We will also share that video with you. Oh, yes, definitely do that. And we'll put that share in the show notes. So you kind of inadvertently let the cat out of the bag. So I'm going to go ahead and let the audience know. We started this interview in Houston. We were in the middle of recording and I had some equipment failure. And so here we are two weeks later. I'm trying to finish up what we were in the middle of our conversation and we're trying to edit it together. And we hope we've done a good enough job of that because you're a very interesting person and your speech, it was really interesting. And so I'm excited to share the information of what you guys are doing. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes. So now you're back in Singapore and we're finishing this up over the internet. But Captain Dan, I want to really thank you for taking the time and for being patient with us through all the technical difficulties. So I hope to see you again in Houston sometime. Again, thanks for coming on. As always, thanks to everyone for listening. Tune in again next week for another episode of OGGN HSC Podcast, sponsored by Knowledge Vine, and we'll see you next time. Yep, thank you, Russell. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.